Please open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 29 and 30. And as I told you this morning, I'm going to preach on the sin of gossip. Skinner. Gossip. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Most High God, what a big thing and what a great thing to sing. I surrender all. Lord, I tremble when I sing those words. For am I surrendered in all of life to Jesus as Lord of glory and Lord of all? For if you are not Lord of all, you are not Lord at all. So we humble ourselves before you and we fear the words. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I tell you? O Lord, help us to submit and surrender to Christ and to live obedient lives to our Lord and Shepherd, our King. Speak to us now from your word. Amen. Many years ago in Nelspreit, there was a Christian man and someone slandered him. Someone lied about him. Someone gossiped about him in the local newspaper. And they wrote lies about him saying, that he had been involved in some immoral relationships. It wasn't true, but the man's reputation was damaged. And you can just imagine, even months and years later, people who know the man might look at him thinking, we know what you did, and it wasn't true. To gossip is dangerous. As we read in James chapter 3, the tongue is a restless evil. The tongue is like... Uh, matches. It's like a match, a small match can cause a great forest fire. Or the tongue is like deadly poison. You drink it, it'll kill you. So Paul warns us, therefore, against the use of the tongue, the wrong use of the tongue, and then he teaches us the correct use of your tongue. So let's see that in Ephesians 4. Verse 29 and 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we're going to answer two questions tonight. The first question, how should you speak? You see, uh, gossip and other forms of destructive speech, it's like, it's like rotten fruit. It's worthless. It's like rotten fish. What do you do with rotten fish? You can't do anything with it, maybe, except catch other fish. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it's worthless. It's corrupt. Rotten. 
And that's exactly what the Greek, what the Greek word means in verse 29. Let no corrupting talk. That word corrupting is used of rotten fruit in Matthew chapter 7. It's used of rotten fish in Matthew chapter 13. So a, a rotten tongue, a tongue that speaks rotten words, what does that show of the heart? A rotten heart, a worthless heart. Like in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 20, it speaks of the heart of the wicked. It's worthless. Or Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or James 1 verse 26 says, if you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. means nothing. And that, that needn't be, right? We're Christians. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, we've been chosen by God in chapter 1 verse 4, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, that we should be blameless. God has predestined us. Before time, He looked and he decided and He decreed and He determined that He would adopt you as His child in Jesus Christ. And Jesus shed His blood for you. Jesus shed His blood so you can be redeemed, so you can be saved, so you can be forgiven. Uh, chapter 1 verse 7. He determined before time, before creation, that you will inherit eternal life, that you'll have this eternal and heavenly inheritance. It's yours. You and I were dead in our sins, and Jesus Christ, God made us alive in Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly places, chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. So you're not an unbeliever anymore. That's who you were. Don't live like that. Look at verse 17, chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous. You know what callous is? Afrikaners, is hierdie goed op jou hande. Nee, Misha, jylle al gesien, sy raak so my dan grille. Sy klimboom, dan sien jy die eelte. These calluses on their hand. And, and that's how their hearts and their minds and, and lives and consciences have become. The unbelievers, they've become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's not who you are anymore. Before you were saved, you hated other people. You were bitter toward other people. You refused to forgive other people. Titus 3 verse 3. That's who you were. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, chapter 2 of Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 1, you followed the world. You lived like the world. You said what you wanted to say. I call it spade a spade. And it's usually someone else's spade. So do not, do not corrupt other people by the rotten words. Words and speech like gossip. In verse 29, again, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Because if you give people rotten fruit, well, rotten fruit, what does it do if you eat it? It causes illness. Rotten fish, probably even worse. But it causes illness. Who does it, who does it make sick? Whose illness will it cause? Well, your own. Your own. You, you, you soiling your conscience, you damaging your conscience. And your relationship with the Lord is, is corrupted now. It's breaking down. Listen to this verse in Isaiah chapter 50, not Isaiah, Psalm 50 verse 19. You give your mouth free rein for evil. Your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. 
These things you have done and I've been silent. You thought I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this, then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and then be none to deliver. So God is not pleased with that. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is breaking down if you break other people down through gossip. There's a wall of separation. Your sin is building a wall between you and God, says Isaiah 59 verse 2. So rotten fruit, you eat that, you become ill. But if you speak rotten words, it's not only you who will become spiritually ill, you are causing others to become spiritually ill. Even before that, you're just throwing away your testimony. How are you going to testify at work to your colleagues? How are you going to testify to your neighbors at a bride or your friends? How will you share the gospel with them and tell them Jesus Christ can save sinners, but you are under the power of Satan. Your tongue is under the power of your own sin. How are you going to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ if they just see you gossip about others and you hate them? And then you cause people to be prejudiced, biased. People become prejudiced. So now you're gossiping, you're telling, did you hear? Did you hear? And you tell them a story about someone and they become prejudiced. They don't know the facts. They don't know the situation. And maybe they don't even know the person. But now they are prejudiced. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Proverbs 18 verse 17. And then you are breaking friendships. You are breaking up friendships by gossiping about people. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16. Actually, I'm going to go to a number of passages in Proverbs, but don't lose your place in Ephesians. Proverbs 16 verse 27. A worthless man plots evil. No, verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife. A whisperer... A whisperer separates close friends. Chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. He who repeats a matter, so you go and tell the story someone told you, separates close friends. Chapter 26 of Proverbs. Verse 20 and 21. For lack of wood, what happens if there's no wood in the fireplace? The fire dies. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, but where there, and where there's no whisperer, a gossip, quarreling ceases. People stop fighting if there's no one to gossip. <laughs> Verse 21, as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. That person of whom you are spreading the news, so you're a tattletale, you're a talebearer, you're a gossip, and I, did you hear about so-and-so? That person will never again trust you. Very difficult and very unlikely that they're going to trust you. Proverbs chapter 11 again. Proverbs 11 verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering or gossiping reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. Not, in other words, sweeping it under the rug. But you're not going to tell other people's business. Chapter 20. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering or gossiping reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Don't make friends with people who talk too much. I talk too much. Maybe, maybe you're not gossiping about people, right? Fair enough. You're not gossiping, but oh, you love hearing. You love listening to gossip. Uh, Proverbs 18 verse 8, gossip is like when people come uh, and they whisper, it's like, mm, 
chuck chip cookies for the ears. I really enjoy eating that. So the person who gossips, the, people who, the person who spreads the news, and the per- person who listens to the news, both of them are guilty. They're equally guilty. Listen to what, what Thomas Watson, a Puritan preacher, said. He who gossips carries the devil in his tongue. He who receives or listens to gossip carries the devil in his ear. So if you, if you listen to gossip, why are you listening to gossip? Because you want some fresh stories for the next tea and cake or for the next bride. You want to tell some news to someone. Uh, so the person who listen, listens to gossip, why does he do that or she? It's because they themselves, actually, they are gossips. Hello, Skinner Baker. That's a mooi woord, nee. Proverbs 17, verse 4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Why do you listen to people speaking evil things? Because that's the kind of thing you do. You speak the same kinds of things. So, I can almost guarantee you this. The person who listens to gossip, and the person who gossips, they gossip about one another also. Wayne Mack taught us this. A dog that brings a bone will carry a bone. So don't you think, oh, he's telling me the story. He's going to go or she's going to go and tell a story about you too. And the person who listens, don't just think, oh, he's listening to my story. He's going to go and tell a story about you too. So what should you do when people come and they, they bring news? They want to, listen, I want to talk to you about something or can I share this with you about someone? What do you do? First of all, you want to make sure, is this gossip or not? Now be careful because the sinful nature and the devil is going to tell you, no, it's not gossip. Be careful. Make sure, is this gossip or not? How will you know? First of all, you're going to say, the person who brings the news, is he really seeking the advantage of the person he's talking about? So here comes, Koos, I jou gebruikt hier nie, was nie. So Koos is so makkelijke naam, Jan, Piet en Koos. So here comes Quiz, and Quiz wants to tell me something. And now I first need to ask, Quiz wants to tell me something about someone else. Is he really, he wants to talk about Tani Runel. Is Quiz really concerned for Tani Runel? Does he really want to help her? So you ask yourself that question, and you ask yourself, has Quiz, sorry Quiz, <laughs> you're my friend, I can say this, right? Okay, so has Quiz really tried to apply Matthew 18, to say, I talk to my brother, or I talk to my sister when they fall into sin. Has he really done it in Galatians 6 style, where it says you go, you go, Galatians 6 verse 1 and 2, you go with a gentle spirit and kindness to really try and help the person. And is Chris willing? If I tell him, Chris, right, you told me this, I want you to come with me, we need to talk to Tony Runel. No, Tony Runel, sorry. <laughs> okay. I want you to come with me. Is Kuis willing to do that? And has Kuis got any evidence? Has he got the facts? Can he prove what he is saying? And this I learned from some other pastors. What they do now, they've had some difficult cases, and what they do um, is they want, you, they want you to say, right, we want you to go. Ons soek beëdigde verklaring van wat jy sê. Wat beëdigde verklaring in Engels? Affidavit, dis so makkelijk. Is dit nie Latijns nie? <laughs> okay, we want an affidavit. Are you willing to do that? Go to the police. And, ooh, okay, now you really need to think. 
Will this stand in a court of law? If the person who's bringing the news to you, if he is speaking rotten words about the other person, breaking the other person down, that's gossip. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And usually they start like this. I, I, I'm not a gossip and I don't gossip, but then you know. <laughs> or they come, have you heard? Did you hear? Or they come like this and they say, I said this to my dad this afternoon. I said, listen, dad, I'm preaching on gossip tonight, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> they start like this. Listen, before we start, I want you to promise you won't tell anyone. Promise you won't tell anyone. I told so-and-so I won't tell anyone, but I have to tell you this. That's gossip. And here's the worst. I had this many years ago. Might have been in 2008. Someone called me and gossiped about someone else. And I stopped the person. I said, please, I don't want to hear anymore. We shouldn't speak about others. And the person was very offended. The person was angry. And the person said to me, you're taking away my freedom to, to talk and to really try and help. And so I said, no, this is gossip. And, and so what the person said wasn't just talking about other people. It was, listen, we need to pray for so-and-so. That's just gossiping under prayer. And that's even worse than gossip because you're using something sacred, something holy to gossip, to sin against God. Now what should you then do? Right, now you've figured out, is it gossip, isn't it gossip? And if you figure out this is gossip, what must you do? Shut the person up. Tell the person to keep quiet. Tell the person what my friend's mom said. My ears aren't, it's not a rubbish, it's not a dustbin, it's not a trash can. I don't want to hear that stuff. Or do what a friend did with me. A friend called me. Maybe I should mention his name, Seth Myers. And he said to me, Oh, brother, I heard that one of your colleagues died. That he committed suicide, another pastor. And he said, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear this. Were you close? And I'm sorry for your pain. And I said, Yeah, this is bad. And I said, But this guy, the things he, he had done, and, and actually the suicide was a cover-up. It was to cover up all these evils and the scan. And, my, and Seth just said, uh, Brother, I, I'm sorry, I'm really sensitive to your pain, but please, I don't, I want, to, I don't want to hear anymore. You, you rebuked me, actually. And it was right. It was right. Or perhaps when, another example, a lady, she was, I went to visit her, and she gossiped about her daughter-in-law, and I stopped her. And there was another lady visiting her. I didn't know the other lady, but I just told this lady whom I knew. I said, please, lady, stop. I don't want to hear anymore. Uh, I'm preaching on gossip tomorrow night. And this wasn't this sermon. This was a few years back. It was maybe a Sunday morning. And I can't preach to people about gossip, and I'm listening to gossip. And she was very offended. She was angry with me. And then later on it went. She spread news about me and went to other people and gossiped about me. Or oh, here's a good one you can try uh, if you're not afraid of people, and we shouldn't be. A friend of mine, I just sent him a message yesterday, Yanni Fosler, said, Yanni, 
just refresh me, update me on the story. What, what happened? So this is what happened after a church service. One of the people came up and they started gossiping about another church member toward my friend, Yanni. And Yanni just said, listen, uh, let's phone that person. I'm going to phone that person right now and you can tell that person. So let's just, no, 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 we can't talk. No, no, we're going to phone that person now. And he didn't phone the person, but he said the gossiping stopped. <laughs> You'll stop gossip very quickly if you really do phone the person. So let's just sort this out. So do you want to overcome gossip? You want to overcome gossip, the very first thing is you need a new heart. A new heart that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You need a new heart because out of the heart our words come. And our whole life proceeds from the heart. You need a heart that is purified through faith in Jesus. You need a heart that is purified and washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ. You need a heart that is cleansed by repentance. Where James tells us in chapter 4, Cleanse your hearts or purify your hearts. O sinners, you need a heart that is purified by prayer. Where David prays in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And then you pray. And you say to the Lord, Place a God, place soldiers before my mouth, before my lips. In Psalm 141, verse 3. And then you memorize this verse. This is a good verse to memorize. And in Proverbs chapter 10, Verse 19, Solomon says, when, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. If you talk too much, you're going to sin. That is why we read in James 3, the very first people he's talking to is pastors, preachers, because they talk a lot. That's their job. They have to talk. They have to preach. So be careful. James 1 verse 19 is another verse to memorize where James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So you memorize that and you use those verses when you're tempted to gossip. And the moment you gossip, you confess it. You confess it immediately. And you make restitution. Now this is very difficult. I've done this. It's hard. You make restitution. What that means is you go to the person you gossiped about and you go to the people you gossiped to and you say I've sinned by gossiping about you or I've sinned by gossiping about so and so it was wrong now that's that's humiliating to do but I guarantee you it'll make you think twice in future before you gossip think, okay better do this right and then ask yourself this question I learned this from an old lady in Lutrichard Baptist Church. She said, before you want to say something about someone, ask yourself these three questions. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? All three of those. Even if it's true, if it's not kind or necessary, don't say it. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Another solution, don't meddle in other people's business. Don't meddle. Many inming, don't stick your nose in people's business. Things that have got nothing to do with you. Proverbs 26 verse 17. If you, if you get involved in something that's none of your business, it's like going down the street and grabbing a dog by the ears. Just this stray dog. He's going to bite you. I remember saying that to someone last year, two, last year or maybe the previous year. The guy said, please, won't you help in this situation? I said, listen. This is your situation. I'm not going to get involved there. 
was someone who lives in the eastern, or it was not called Eastern Transvaal anymore, in Pumalanga. Someone who lives in, Pum, in Pumalanga, and they're just family members. I know them. they not part of this church, never have been. But I said, that's your issue. I'm not getting involved. And I quoted the verse, and he actually laughed aloud over the phone. He never, he never read that verse, grabbing the dog by the ears. So don't meddle, and don't be idle. You know, lounging around, being lazy, doing nothing. The devil will find you something to do. That's what you find in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13, where Paul says in both those letters, he speaks about these people, they haven't got anything to do, and so they go from house to house drinking tea and gossiping about people. Another solution to the problem is avoid gossips. Avoid gossips. For my skinner backer. 2 Timothy 3 verse 3 speaks about people who slander. Verse 5 says avoid, avoid such people. He, he mentions a list of sins. And then remind yourself of this. This is a good one. Remind yourself of this. The Greek word for slanderer, and for devil is the same Greek word. Tell yourself, people who gossip are like the devil. And here's a very important principle. We're moving back to the text. Don't just do verse 29's first part. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Do the second part also, but only such as is good for building up. Don't just put off sin, but put on righteousness. Don't just stop doing the wrong thing. Start doing the right thing. And build other people up and, and speak, uh, use words and speech that is upbuilding. Now, who does it build up? Well, again, it builds up yourself Builds up yourself spiritually by speaking things that are encouraging and positive and helpful and true and pure and so on. And you are benefiting the person you are speaking about and you are benefiting the people you are speaking to and you are building up the church. Uh, just earlier in this chapter, he says, building up the body of Christ, verse 12. And one way you do that is by verse 29, by upbuilding speech. And then you are building up society. Can you imagine a society where everyone speaks kindly of others? Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We had a, a stage, a phase in our family worship. We learned this from my friend Paul Schlelein, where they've got 5.11 time. So 5.11 time, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And then each one in the room gets a turn to encourage the others. What did you see today that so-and-so did or so-and-so said that was encouraging? And that was helpful and good. So what, you, what, what must you say if you want to build other people up? Well, obviously you're going to speak, you're going to focus on, on the positive things Positive character traits or positive things they've done, positive actions, positive words. And you're going to see that and you say, well, that's wonderful. Did you see what Um Lin did? How wonderful. And uh, did you see that he's willing to preach the gospel at a homeless shelter in Benoni? And so you're encouraging. Building up. Instead of just looking at people's errors and their mistakes and their sins. Didn't the Apostle Paul do that? Do that? Who was the worst church in the New Testament? I think the Corinthians. Man, what a mess. What a mess of a church. And how does Paul start his very first letter to the Corinthians? Oh, Corinthians, how wonderful. You are saints. You've been sanctified. You belong to Jesus Christ. Look at the spiritual gifts he's given you. I thank the Lord for this. I thank the Lord for you. 
That helped me in 2008. The church went through a difficult time in 2008. People sinned against me and I sinned against people. And I had to confess my sin. And um, I, was, I felt angry about how some of the people treated me. And I knew that was sin and I confessed it. But what, ha- what helped me then is I had a journal and I wrote down every day for a, a certain period of time. Every day I wrote down those people's names, and I would put down, what am I thankful for in their lives? So I didn't just look at the negative, I could see there are things that the Lord is doing in their lives, things that are wonderful, and that kept me sane. And then also, speak in such a way that it will be pleasing to God. In Malachi, Malachi, chapter 3, verse 16, we read of people talking to one another, and it says, and the Lord saw it. And the Lord recorded it in his book, in a book of remembrance. Jesus, didn't Jesus build others up through his words? He explained to them, you remember the two disciples on their way to Emmaus? And they were really downcast and depressed and discouraged. And Jesus, how does he encourage them? He explains the Bible to them. He explains the prophecies to them. And their hearts burn within them. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 18. Use God's word. Use the Bible to encourage other people and to build them up. Now, if you want to encourage others, what does your Bible say in verse 29? Because translations differ on this. Um, Verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. So the content of what you say, a note from what you say, that encourages others, but not only the content. If you have an ESV, what does it say next? As fits the occasion. occasion. So it's not only about what you say, it's about when you say it, it's about timing. Let me give you an example. Is it good to tell a clean joke? Yeah, there's a time and a place to laugh. Is it good if you tell the clean joke at an open grave while the coffin is being lowered? It's not the right time to tell your joke. Not the right time. Is it the right time to tell a joke if we have a very serious message on a Sunday, a sermon on the holiness of God or on on the judgment day or on hell? It's not the time and place then afterward to tell jokes. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to be serious. It's very good if I compliment my wife and tell her that she's attractive to me. She will not be happy if I do that in the butchery in front of a bunch of men. (laughs) Is it good to go to a Christian uh, sheep that has gone astray? Here's a Christian brother or sister and they've gone off the rails or they're not coming to church anymore. You talk to them. Is it good if you tell them, listen, I want to talk to you. You You need to come back and you need to walk with the Lord again. Is that a good thing? It's not a good thing if you do it at a bra in front of other people. It's not a good thing if you do that, if that person has just heard that his or her child is terminally ill. They've just heard my child has terminal cancer. Then it's not the right time to tell them, listen, I want to talk to you about something. It's good to bless someone. Is that good? Is it good to do it at three in the morning and phone them, hey, I just want to say have a blessed day. May the Lord bless you, brother. Not the right time. <laughs> Even Adrian caught that. <laughs> Proverbs 27 verse 14. 
If you bless someone shout, early in the morning shouting a blessing to him, it's like cursing him. Second question. Why must you speak this way? Why must you speak in this way? So we said, how should you talk? Not breaking down, building up, as fits the occasion. Why? Well, we're going to answer that now. I remember having the privilege of speaking to a very good preacher uh, from the United Kingdom. He preached at a conference in South Africa, and I had an extended time of conversation with him. And after our conversation, I felt so, so lifted up, spiritually edified, spiritually built up, spiritually helped. The same happened with a man who preached in our church, also from the United Kingdom. Uh, that was probably in 2013 or 12, I can't remember the year. But then after the service, he came to our house for lunch. An old man, at that stage he was already 82 or 83. Wow, I was so encouraged after that. You just lifted up, you built up. So use your words like that. Use your words. Your words must be like a channel. What's that paper that you're on the Your words must be like a channel, a channel of grace. God's grace must flow through your words to other people so you can encourage them and you can build them up. Verse 29, end of the verse. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So if you want to give grace to other people through your words, then whose words must you speak? God's words. Now, it doesn't mean you must quote Bible verses all the time, but you must speak spiritual truths, biblical truths. You must speak biblical values. Weave it into your conversations. Do it on purpose. Make a point of this to bring the Lord into your conversations. Um, I, I've got a number of names in my sermon notes here, so I won't mention all of them, but I, I just jotted down a bunch of names. People I think of when I'm in their company, you can't speak to them for five minutes and they talk about the Lord. It's just in, in them. It just comes out. <laughs> they have to talk about the Lord. And they build you up and they think, my dad's like that. My dad, you talk, with, you talk to my father and, and there's some way he just has to talk about Christ. My brother's like that. My brother's like that. Somewhere very soon in the conversation is going to tell you something about how wonderful the Lord is and what he has done. And then a number of people in the church, people who have died now, missionaries I know, and so on. Now, if you want to do that, then you need to hide the word in your heart. You need to actually cram down the word into your heart. And be so full that it has to, it's like you have to put a lid on to keep it from coming out. You can't keep it from, it comes out. And you speak the word, and you encourage people, and it bubbles out, and it gives grace to those who hear. Colossians 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and so on. I asked myself this question. I actually felt guilty. I thought, I don't do this enough. I don't do this enough. You know, when people visit me, do they feel spiritually refreshed when they leave, or do they think, you funny. <laughs> you just make jokes all the time. Sorry, Jean-Dre. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe I do too much of that. Do, do we speak enough? Do we speak enough about God? Do we speak enough about His Word? Or are we just talking about the things of this life? Now, it's not wrong to sometimes talk, talk about the things of this life. And I'm not talking about bad things. You talk about COVID. You talk about world news. You talk about the war between Russia and Ukraine. You talk about sport. 
maybe rugby or cricket, you talk about school, you talk about work, you talk about your pets, you talk about your children, or maybe clean jokes, or maybe just small talk. Maybe we do too much of that, and too little of verse 29, giving grace to others through our words, building them up. And what about the people who listen in? The people who didn't mean to, to butt into your conversation, they just walked past and they heard you talk to someone. What do they hear? Do you need to correct that? Do you need to change the topic? Do you need to just... Chips, chips. <laughs> do you need to now... Oh, actually we need to stop this conversation, change the subject, someone has just walked in, we can't... Then it might be gossip or unedifying speech. Here's another reason we shouldn't gossip and why we should build others up with our words. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now that word, don't grieve the Spirit, the Greek word speaks of a deep emotional pain, a deep emotional sadness, a deep hurt. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is very sad when Christians gossip, when we, when we don't do verse 29, we break others down, or we don't build others up. The Holy Spirit, I've thought of this, um, I said this to, I think, Kurs and Rulf in an elders meeting so, some time ago. That the Holy Spirit, I, I think of him uh, like, you know, when he came down like a dove on Jesus when he was baptized. I think of him like that and I think he's very sensitive. You can scare him away easily by your sin. When we sin, I don't mean that the Holy Spirit then leaves you and he's not involved in your life anymore. Yes, he's there to convict you of, of your sin. But I think it's like we chase away the Holy Spirit with our sin. And then, yes, you don't lose the Spirit because He lives in us eternally as Christians, but we lose, we lose that sense of His nearness, of His presence. We lose the sense of His power working in our lives because we've scared Him off by our, by our sin. We've grieved Him. Can I ask you a question? Does your quiet time, you're still to take, maybe you're just your Christian life in general, does it feel cold? Does it feel dead? Might it just perhaps be that the reason for that is verse 29 and 30. That by things you've said, or maybe things you've done, you've made the Holy Spirit sad. Verse 30, and you no longer feel His presence. You're not aware of that. Remember, if you and I gossip, we are not only sinning against people, against yourself, against the person you gossip to, to, and the person you gossip about. You are sinning against God. Verse 30, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. And He's saddened. The Holy Spirit wrote verse 29 and 30. And now we just ignore verse 29 and 30. The Holy Spirit wrote verses like Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 16. You shall not go around as a gossip among your people or a slanderer. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. So tell yourself, before you want to gossip, tell yourself, I'm going to make the Holy Spirit very sad now. Should I go on and do it? And if you're a Christian, you'll say, zip my lips. Say nothing. Now, if that's not going to prevent you from gossiping, well, then maybe the rest of verse 30 will. Because the rest of the verse says that 
the Holy Spirit of God, uh, you're grieving him. So he's not an impersonal force. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the Holy Spirit's this impersonal force. No, he's not. The Holy Spirit is a person. He feels emotion. He feels sadness when we sin. And he's sealed you for the day of redemption. Now I'm going to explain that now. Tell yourself that the Holy Spirit does the following for you. The Holy Spirit instructs you. He teaches you about God. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He, he showed you your sin, and then He pointed you to Jesus because the Spirit comes, says John 16, the Spirit will come to glorify Christ. And He shows you Jesus who died for your sins, and Jesus who can save you. The Holy Spirit is the one who creates new life in you. We are born of the Spirit, of water and the Spirit. The regeneration of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals you. It's like He puts a stamp on you to say, you belong to Christ. You belong to God. You're a child of God. You're on your way to heaven. He seals you, verse 30. That, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says the same. Verse 30, He seals you for the day of redemption. To say that that day is yours. Heaven is yours. You have an inheritance. It belongs to you. You're on your way there. You receive a new body when Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit he teaches you God's word. He teaches you about God. Ephesians 1, 17, John 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps you to pray. Ephesians 2, 18. Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit, He lives inside of you. He brings the presence of the Father and the Son to you. Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 19. John 14, verse 23. John 14, verse 17. The Holy Spirit gave you this book. Didn't the Holy Spirit tell Paul what to write and Peter and James and Moses? The Holy Spirit gave us His Word, His perfect Word. The Holy Spirit shows you how much Jesus loves you. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19 again. And Romans 5, verse 5. The Holy Spirit especially tells you when you're suffering, when you're going through hard times, he tells you, God loves you. Christ loves you. He has not forgotten about you. And you find that in Ephesians 3.13 actually, where Paul is in prison suffering, but then in verse 16 to 19, the Spirit brings that sense of the love of Christ to your heart. The Holy Spirit makes you one with other believers. He places you in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, verse 3 and 4, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The Holy Spirit influences you. He controls you. Like alcohol, alcohol controls a drunk person, so the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18, He influences your life so you can do what is right. The Holy Spirit helps you to fight against temptation. It's the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6. And we pray in the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 6 when we use the armor of God. The Holy Spirit helps you to fight against sin and say no to sin. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Romans 8 verse 13. And you know Galatians 5, walking in the Spirit, walking in the flesh. The Holy Spirit gives to you a spiritual gift to encourage people. Ruth is an encourager, I think. You just see him and you feel better. So it's the Holy Spirit who does that and has given us spiritual gifts. Just read 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 and verse 11. The Holy Spirit witnesses with your spirit 
testifies along with your spirit, you're a child of God. He's the spirit of adoption to tell you, you belong to Jesus. You belong to the Father. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. He comes alongside you. He encourages you. He comforts you. He defends you. He helps you. The Holy, that's John 14, 16. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and He gives you power to testify to Jesus, to give your testimony, to share the gospel with others. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And the Holy Spirit makes you like Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. Now, I can, I can continue and say a lot more. I can say a lot more about the Holy Spirit and what He does for us. The point is this. If you want to gossip, remember verse 30. This Holy Spirit does all of these things for me. Am I going to make Him sad? By gossiping and tattling and tail-bearing? And... If verse 30 does not prevent you from gossiping? Maybe you must ask yourself, am I a Christian? On the judgment day, if you continue in the sin of gossip, on the judgment day, Jesus, who will be the judge, what you have whispered in secret rooms is going to be shouted from the rooftops. He's going to show to everyone present there's the gossip. And that tongue you used to gossip, what does the Bible say will happen in hell with that tongue? Revelation 16 verse 10 You will gnaw that tongue. Yes, like don't go. That very same tongue you used to tear other people down. That does not need to be. I don't want to send you home tail between your legs. doesn't need to be. Repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who also died for the sin of gossip. Believe in that Christ who shed His blood for you and then you ask Him, Lord, please, will You save me? Will You seal me with Your Spirit? And will You give me a new heart and a new life, make me a new person and give me a new tongue? That will build other people up instead of tearing them down. Let me close with this poem. The boneless tongue, so small and weak, can crush and kill, declares the Greek. The tongue destroys a greater horde, the Turk asserts, than does the sword. A Persian proverb wisely saith, a lengthy tongue and early death, or sometimes takes this form instead. Don't let your tongue cut off your head. The tongue can speak a word whose speed, the Chinese say, outstrips the steed. While Arab sages this impart, the tongue's great storehouse is the heart. From Hebrew wit, this maxim sprung. Though feet should slip, don't let the tongue. The sacred writer crowns the whole. He who keeps his tongue keeps his soul. Heavenly Father, again, we come as 
people saved by grace, and yet we call ourselves sinners who are saved by grace. We remember what you saved us from, Lord. Help us to remember what you saved us from, that we will not return to the previous life of gossip and slander and tearing people down and corrupting talk and rotten words. Oh, please, our Father, would you help us to avoid and run away from the sin of gossip and that we would actively and proactively encourage others and build them up. Also through our words, in Jesus' name, Amen.